the growth in online delivery is here to stay. And there's only so much that a bricks and mortar operation can do. And if we're looking for new innovation to match the innovation in the technical side, you need new brands. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give Innovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at ovationup.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by the illustrious, the famous, the Robert Earl. He was named one of the top 25 most influential Americans, and he, quite frankly, has set the standard. Uh, by which all restaurateurs measure success from Hard Rock Cafe, Planet Hollywood, Earl of Sandwich, Buca de Beppo, Bertucci's, Chicken Guy, Virtual Dining Concepts, or I'm uh, sure you've heard of brands like Mr. Beast Burger and Tiger Bites. Um, add this to his activities with TVs, <laughs> movies, football clubs, and hotels. You know, Robert, it just leaves me with one question. H- how do you manage the 50 hours of your day? <laughs> um, what, a, what a recommendation. I wish I taped it. Thank you so much. Um, I don't deserve anything like that, but I've been dedicated to our incredible industry for a mere 50 plus years. And I do tend to work rather long hours and all seven days in order to keep up with all of these activities that my team generate. But but, um, it's a great time. It's a tough time. The supply chain, the um, employee issues, the change in trends of staying at home, the delivery business. There's so much to talk about, and we're honored to be on Ovation today. Awesome. So let, let's start off with today, right? You, you're absolutely right, Robert. There's so much going on right now. What, what should restaurateurs be thinking about? So I've got, call it, you know, somewhere between five to 20 locations, and I'm wondering, what's my next move? What would you, what would be your advice? Um, I think it's a two-tiered approach. How do we see the next three, four months? And how do we see 2022? The next three, four months, we know that there are supply chain issues. They were caused by factories and other incidents that happened in the preceding months. And they, we need to adjust for that. We need to make sure we've got backup suppliers We just have to cover everything. Then from an employee perspective, we've got to be as sensitive as possible because a lot of people are questioning, do I want to go back into a hot environment in the kitchen? Do I want to perhaps earn less money and stay um, in my house in safety? Am I changing my lifestyle for the future? So in order to keep a great workforce, we're going to have to make many changes, maybe change the hours that people work, just generally adjust um, what we're doing. As far as the middle to long term, once we're through this, 2022 and 23 are going to be bumper, bumper years for everyone. We need to just survive and be there to enjoy that benefit. 
People are going to go out like you've never experienced before. They're going to spend, spend, spend. They're going to enjoy their life. They're going to make up for all the time that they were locked up. And probably a lot of people are thinking it might happen again. So I better do even extra and, and experience and travel in case, God forbid, something happens again. So we've got to beef up for that. We've got to have a game plan for that time. Um, we've got to have as much going on inside our restaurant to give it top line sales and potential, which, of course, is a perfect segue into virtual brands. Yeah, let's talk about virtual brands. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Is it a fad or is it here to stay? Um, let's start from the beginning. The growth in online delivery is here to stay. And there's only so much that a bricks and mortar operation can do. And if we're looking for new innovation to match the innovation in the technical side, you need new brands. And the consumer does not mind where that brand is um, prepared. So every day, the awareness of virtual brands for both the restaurant community and for the consumer is broadening. I predicted previously that two, three years from now, there will be very few restaurants that do not have a virtual brand or two. And we're at the cutting edge of that. Our role and our competitors' roles are to create great new virtual brands to offer to market partners, small independent restaurants, mid-sized chains, large enterprise, everyone is going to need it. And what we have found is that, quite frankly, if you're creating your own, it's just a distraction. You yeah. don't have any better economics. And there, here, there's someone else doing all the legwork, creating the brands, creating the look and feel, creating the philosophy, working out the supply chain, finding customers for you, giving you a complete how to do it, videos and everything else. So I implore anyone that is watching your podcast and listening to consider a virtual brand, whether it's one of ours or someone else's. It is the space that you need to be in. It gives you increased sales. And the key is if you have a kitchen, you will find that there is some underutilized kitchen equipment, or that your manpower could take on board some extra production. And that's how we approach this. And our company specializes more than anyone else in building your top line. And I think it's really interesting. You go to any other business and there's and any other investment, and there's always this strong, strong concept of diversification. And yet in, in the brick and mortar within the four walls, historically, it's been very hard to diversify. Now, we have clients that have seven, eight, nine, ten different streams of revenue coming in. Whereas before, it was you come in and you sit down and a server takes your order and you pay that server. And that's the sole stream of revenue. And now, yeah. it, optionality and diversification is exploding with options. 100% right. I like to say that any restaurant needs to, number one, 
maximize the bums on seats. If I've got seats in my restaurant, I need to fill them as many times a day as I can. Number two, I need to maximize my core bricks and mortar brands, other potential, which might be curbside pickup, it might be drive-through, it might be working with all those great third-party platforms, Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, etc. So it might be that route, or it might be the addition of some virtual brands. Or oh, the combination of all of that is where I think the restaurant industry will land. And one thing that I've been seeing a lot of, Robert, is in terms of bums in seats, I've been seeing a lot of restaurants reducing how many seats bums can be in. And what they're doing is they're expanding their kitchen more into the dining room area to allow for things like virtual kitchens and to allow for, for more of these uh, alternative concepts if they don't have room in their current kitchen. One of the great things that has occurred is the local governments have been very flexible on seating. Mm -hmm. And people have been allowed because of COVID to create additional outdoor spaces. Uh, it is my belief that in many cities, um, they have actually invigorated the sidewalks and will remain with us well past the dis departure of COVID. And that is a great plus for our industry as well. On the kitchen side, I think we all just have to maximize all the potential within the kitchen. And speaking of which, you know, you guys were able to launch 300 Mr. Beast burgers in a weekend, right? That's why I look so old. <laughs> That's why you look so wise, Robert. How, how do you, you know, how did you go about deciding what to move around in the kitchens? Because, you know, you, you've been in this industry for, for decades, and this is something that's a, that's a really brand new um, <laughs> concept that you, that you personally have pioneered. How did you it, go about it, optimizing it, it's the all, space? Zach, it's always, Zach, it's always difficult because um, America has a passion for grills and fries mm -hmm. uh, and using fryers and flat tops and all other types of grill. So we, we did increase the pressure on those pieces of equipment. As time goes on, we're developing brands that have different pressure points. We have a fantastic mac and cheese brand that we're just launching. And that brand obviously doesn't go near the fryers and doesn't go near the grill. So one of your viewers might say, ah, my team, if it was something that just had to go in the oven, they could add Robert's Mac and Cheese brand. So as time goes on and as we learn more, it's such a new space. With Mr. Beast, there's no question that he is the number one YouTuber in the world. And mm -hmm. as a consequence, um, a lot of families immediately wanted to order it. And um, a, a very fascinating fact, we were number one in the App Store in the United States on December the 19th. We beat TikTok, we beat Spotify, People wanted to download the app and have the Mr. Beast icon on their phone and to order with special terms direct from us. 
See, things like that, right? And, and especially you talked about why go through the effort of building your own virtual brand. With Mr. Beastburger, it's like you not only have an entire team behind you, but you've got this celebrity that you know m- millennials are really pushing towards. And this is a great way to and introduce so they your should. location. He's fascinating. Yeah. He's fascinating. Um, and for example, um, um, in the next um, few days, um, we have a brand coming out in partnership with NASCAR. And it's fascinating. It's an homage to all the tracks. We went around all the tracks and we found that there was a culinary delight at each of these locations. Really healthy, by the way. For example, the Carburetta Crunch, which is peanut butter, um, jelly and banana, deep fried in white bread, coated with Captain Crunch breading. And as if that's not enough, completed with um, maple syrup and bacon. I literally just had like a coronary thrombosis listening to that. (laughs) Yeah, but they taste great. I can eat two, um, which is about 4,000 calories. Um, But that's, that's what the race goers have when they go to Phoenix. And now we're offering the 80 million followers of NASCAR the food that they would experience had they had the opportunity to go to the track in their home at the same time as they're probably watching the race on NBC or Fox. That that is phenomenal. And I think looking at the market, right? Looking at the market and determining what does the market need as opposed to going about it saying, hey, I like cooking Korean corn dogs, so I'm going to open up a restaurant. It's Very big Korean corn dogs, very big market now. TikTok developed it. Yeah. And actually, I've been, I I mentioned Korean corn dogs. I've been seeing them all over the place popping up, right? But I think that this strategy of, hey, look, here's an underserved market, right? Here's a market of, you know, NASCAR fans that have been wanting to to go out and, and get these favorite treats. How do you go about bringing it to them? I think that you've done, uh, you've done a great job reverse engineering the need and the desire of the consumer taste as opposed to just going off of a chef's preference, right? You're very kind. So one of the things that I'd I'd love to dive into is what is the most important aspect about guest experience nowadays? Um, In a sit-down restaurant or on a delivery? I think is there is there a difference anymore, right? <laughs> I, I, I think there is. I think that um, if you went into a restaurant, Zach, and you said, um, I'll have a burger. By the way, when it's cooked, could you put it in a box for 30 minutes before you bring it over to me? Um, there is an expectation that the product cannot be identical to cooked a la minui, as we say, and brought straight to you. Um, yes, but but the, the expectations nowadays have been elevated. There's so much choice. Um, tech companies like yourselves have helped really develop um, the customer's opportunities. And, and um, the standards are higher and um, fools are not suffered well anymore. And we have so many ways that that food can hit us at the table. 
when it is a delivery, there's definitely some element of sacrifice because there has to be some type of deterioration, mm-hmm. whether it is a burger where it's dripping into the base of the bun or, or, or whether it is generally the fries that the steam, in order to keep soggy. them hot, they're steaming and they get soggy. There's not been perfect, perfect solutions. There are brands that we cook in a certain way where we give instructions to reheat. There are brands now that we put the sauce on the side and suggest you bring it to the boil and then pour it over at the last minute. So we're all constantly working on improvements. But as a consumer, the expectation now is to get value for money and a good quality experience and a great environment to consume it in. And and the environment, I think that's something that's so interesting because, you know, 80%, 90% for some restaurants still, the experience is not happening in our dining rooms. It's happening in the guests' living rooms. It's happening yeah. around their conference tables. It's happening at their work from home desk. And so I think it's really important, like you were saying, to think of that. And, you know, we have some of our customers who got feedback that their packages was, were too small. And so food was spilling out when they would open it up and eat it in the car or eat it in the office. And so I think thinking about the entire guest journey is so critical, like you're saying, Robert, totally agree there. Well, you know, you, you talked about 2022, 2023, this tidal wave of revenge spending that, that's coming. What are some successful things that you've either seen or tried? What would you recommend that restaurateurs do today to prepare for that wave that's that's coming? Um, I think I think most people are Zach, doing it, but perhaps reinvestment, do some of the capex whilst it's a little quiet. Um, have all your brands ready to execute, even if you don't do them all yet. Um, look at having more LTOs, um, limited time offers, um, look at events that are happening to build around those, um, improve your loyalty programs, um, work on your database and, and how you communicate with them, how frequently you speak to them. It can never be too much. I do not believe in the saturation. I believe that it just has to be fresh stories. Mm. If you're constantly sending the same message, forget it. I'm going to unsubscribe or just not open. Um, but but if you wish to communicate with someone who's taken the trouble to say, I want to be in your e-club, I want to be on your database, then give them interesting updates, show them that you care, show them that you're thinking anything that can be personalized in this day and age should be done. Whether that's, hey, Zach, uh, we know it's your birthday tomorrow and here's a special cake if you come in, all the way over to just reminding them that you have a private room or you have a space available for anything special. I, I think that you're going to see more and more personalizing. I the personalization, I think it's beautiful, and I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna take all of that and put that in the show notes 
as a, as a checklist. Cause I think that that list that you just rattled off the top of your head, that is a, that's great good because I can't remember it. So. <laughs> well, I'll send it to you. See if there's anything you want to add to it, Robert. Um, lastly, who, who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry today? Well, look, that's a great question. I think there's a list. Someone that comes top of mind that doesn't get enough credit came through some really difficult times and has an amazing company. His name is David McKillop, and he is the boss of Chuck E. Cheese. They have nearly 700 units, and um, they had some problems along the way, and they've come through it beautifully. Um, he's someone I know well, and I just think it's a nice shout out. Um, from the innovation side, there's so many great new things happening, and there's so much tech enabling that we all need to use. Um, and I just like the way the industry is going. I think that um, you're, you're going to see more consolidation. I think you're going to see more of the big venture funds and capital um, buying out um, different companies. Um, but um, David is my shout out for the day. I love it. Yeah, he, he has done some incredible things. And uh, yeah, t- tough times to talk about, because I know that you, you've talked about how back in the day, you'd go to a show and a restaurant. And nowadays the entertainment is at the restaurant. And, you know, the Chuck E. Cheese being one of the epitomes of that. And so COVID definitely uh, was a kick in the teeth to some people more than others. Um, but Robert, any, any final parting words for us? Uh, no, keep using Ovation. And um, I look forward, Zach, to speaking to you again soon. And please have me on any time. It's a great honor. Well, Robert, for showing us that the goal of a restaurateur is more than just a wish, but it is attainable. Today's ovation goes to you, Robert. I really appreciate you coming on Give an Ovation. See you soon, Zach. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to ovationup.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.